thank you so much for tuning in to Northridge Church Podcast. We're so glad to have you as part of our weekly service. For more information, please visit us online at northridgethomaston.com. Now prepare your hearts as we dive into God's Word. the prince of the prophets, Isaiah, who is enabled through a vision to go literally into the throne room of God. He saw the rainbow of colors that Ashley was singing about. This access was unprecedented. That no one has ever been able to see the glory of God and live. And so only through that of a vision does he go. And he says, and I see the glory of the Lord high and lifted up. And he said, his train filled the temple. Speaking of his majesty and his kingship. Literally so much so that it moved the doorpost to expand the room of all of heaven. And then in light of seeing that, he said, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. And I serve a people of unclean lips. In light of the glory of God, he saw his own sin and his own failure. And the Bible says a seraphim or an angel messenger sent and took a hot fiery coal off the altar of God signifying the price that Jesus would pay the fire the all-consuming fire of God that one day would come to this earth and he would consume the sin of man and he touched his lips and he says your sins are purged your iniquities are forgiven and then becomes the great question where God and all of his majesty the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit in heaven, in their perfect abode, said, Who will I send? Who will go for us? And in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8, Isaiah says, Send me, I'll go. You see, it starts with the glory of God. Then it starts with us seeing our own sin-stained life. We cry out to God, forgive me. We repent. We turn away and he purges us of that iniquity. The Bible says that if any man would be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new day by day, moment by moment. And then it's the question, where will I go? And he says, I will send you out and you will be a light in a dark place. You will be the light of the world. I was the light of the world, but I've gone to be with the father. That if I go to be with the father, I will send another one in my place and his name will be the comforter why my friend do we need a comforter if God is not calling us to step out of our comfort zone today I'm going to invite you to bow your heads all over this room I want to pray for us as we go into this Ashley I'm going to ask you to sing that in the background as we just go before the throne of God the Hebrews writer says now now because of what Jesus has done we have the authority to go boldly before the throne of grace we don't have to go sheepishly we don't have to wait until we clean it up because we go under the auspices of Jesus Christ and the blood applied to our life and the newness and the boldness that we can go for today and we say Father God we adore you we honor you we thank you for meeting with us simple us God you don't need us to be a part of your story but God you have called us for such a time as this So, God, we lift you up. We thank you, Jesus, for meeting us in this place. May we glorify your name. And all of God's people shouted amen and amen and amen. God bless you. Y'all may be seated. God bless you. Thank you so much. Man, I thank you so much. Give the band another hand. Didn't they do an amazing job? They worked so hard. Thank you, Randy. We uh, started a sermon last week entitled Becoming Superhuman. We have been in a series dealing with being heroes in this life. And I shared with you on week one, so I want you to go ahead and tell your neighbor again, say there's a hero inside of you. Go ahead and tell them that. That oftentimes we don't, we don't rise to that occasion until we're truly challenged 
let me say it this way. We don't become all that God has called us to be until we really become less of us. The, the, John the Baptist said it this way. He said, I must decrease. I must diminish. I must empty myself out, he said, so that, I, that God would increase in me. It, it's pretty suffice to say that we will never be filled with a person of the Holy Spirit completely until we first empty ourselves out of us. We have to move us out of the way so that God can empower us. And I submit to you this morning that living a superhuman life simply inclines us to understand it this way, that we can live beyond a life of mediocrity. How many of you believe that? We don't have to live a life of just making it, of just getting by, that we can live a life that's supreme to the lives of those who don't have Christ living in them. But isn't it interesting? That as we look at people today across the world and we survey people both in and out of church, both in and out of Christ, doesn't it sometimes feel like that it's the people that are living life without any problems, without any complications, are those of us who are outside the church, those who are not Christians, those who are not redeemed by the blood of Christ? Why is that? Well, it's two reasons. One, I believe, is because we've yet to tap into our full God-given potential. I believe that to be paramount to everything uh, in our faith walk. That we have not tapped into John's gospel in 1010 says the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and to destroy. He wants to rob from you. And if he's stealing something from you, watch this. He's taking from you what you already possess. But then he, he kills. He kills dreams. He kills aspirations. He kills for, forward momentum. He wants to destroy you. But yet Jesus says, comma, in that remaining part, which is him speaking. He says, but I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. Not just abundant, not just you're victorious, but you're more than conquerors, as the Bible said, through Christ, which gives you strength. He wants you to go above the affairs and the difficulties of this life. But, but, but again, the second reason, not as important as the first, is sometimes we look at people who are not in Christ and it feels like they're just making it. Everything's easy for them. Can I tell you why? The enemy is not going to come against somebody like that because they are not a force to be reckoned with for the kingdom of God you see but when you live your life set apart unto God sanctified and you're trying to grow grow and grow and grow in sanctification and knowledge and nurture of the Lord you want to make a difference how many want to make a difference in this world for the glory of God I hope everyone's hand has gone up whether they went up physically or not that all of us aspire to make a difference in this world we want to leave this world a little better than the way we found it for the glory of God and if that's who we are, then the enemy's going to attack us, come against us. He's going to put a target on your back, if you will. But for those people who are just going through life vicariously, there's no problems. It doesn't seem like anything comes against them. It's because they're not a threat to the, to the enemy. So the enemy, who is the, watch this, the prince of the power of this air, he's the one that's kind of got some limited reign on this earth. He's running the economic system. He's running the political system. He's running everything in this life because God has given them the authority, limited, under a certain timeline, to do so. But with that, he's not going to come against those people. But for you and I, we're going to be attacked constantly in your marriage. You're going to be attacked in your spirit walk. You're going to be attacked in everything that you do. But God, aren't you glad? But God, he has given us a power to rise above that. And that's why I'm entitled in this sermon, Becoming Superhuman. Not just being a, a person that's uh, just like everybody else. But that we become a force to be reckoned with. Psalm 121, if you have your Bibles, turn there with me, is our text for this particular part, this sermon. In Psalm 121, the psalmist has truly come to a place in his life, and he's realizing where his absolute power and help and authority comes from. Now, if you study the life of King David, you would realize that this was a big breakthrough for him, that he was a man of great charisma, 
He was a man of incredible talent. I remember him as a, as a young shepherd boy defeating Goliath, the giant above all giants. And, and kind of the whole entire Israel army saw that, that he was the guy that could, in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, the God he served, that he could defeat this giant that everyone else saw as a, as a force to be reckoned with that they could not defeat, yet he saw it as a target he could not miss. And his perspective was different. Yet in his life, he became pr- perhaps prideful. Haughty in spirit. The Bible says that pride goes before the fall and a haughty haughty spirit before destruction. And he began to self-destruct by seeing a woman named Bathsheba. And of course he had sin with her and he committed this infidelity relationship that consumed a son who later died. And then another son named Absalom who came in to destroy his entire kingdom. And then finally, ultimately, God's favor continued to to withstand and continue to perpetuate David's kingdom. And then was born a man named Solomon who would later build the temple. You just see the storyline. And in this, we see in Psalm 121... He says, in the, in the verses there, he said, I lift up my eyes unto the hills. And I want you to notice there, the hills is not really what he's looking at. He's lifting his eyes, which would implicate he's down in the valley of life. He's down in the lows of lows, and he lifts his head. How many of you know we just need to lift our head sometime and just look up? Watch what he said. He said, I will lift my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help? Question mark. Where does my help come from? And he answers his own question. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you today, and we thank you that we can indeed live a life beyond mediocrity of just getting by a truly superhuman life but not for our own but for your glory and your honor in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen I want to give you four things I gave you two last week so I'm just going to highlight those and move straight on but four things that I believe were synonymous with the person of Superman. We talked about heroes. So I want to give you, if you will, somewhat of a parable in realizing who, who this guy was, Superman. Remember, he was sent from another planet by his father as a baby. He came and had superhuman strengths here on earth that he did not possess there. So long as he stayed in the earthly sun, the S-U-N, which was a yellow sun, Krypton sun was red and he did not have the same powers there. He came and upon the admission of his father, whose name was Jorel, which by the way, the, the, letter, the letters E-L, the latter part of Jorel mean God in the Hebrew language. You say, Mark, do you really believe this is maybe coincidence or maybe it's something that there's a storyline? I think it's beyond coincidence simply because the two people who in 1938 when DC Comics released this person Superman were actually Jewish boys who were pushed out of of a very um, difficult time in Europe and came to the state of Ohio and he began to write these and I think there's some definite undertones sent by the father as a baby adopted by a man named, believe believe it or not, uh, Jonathan Kent whose middle name was Joseph in the original DC Comics by the way uh, his mother's name was, was Martha Kent later changed to Mary and on and on and on. They took him and he lived somewhat of a very casual life as a farmer. His father died somewhere around age 12. He didn't actually become Superman until he was about age 30. And on and on and on. The parallels are undeniable. However, we don't take that undertone and say, okay, so there's a message there for us to glean from. We simply want to look at the character attributes of this person, Superman, and perhaps parallel them to who we are in Christ. And remember I said last week, number one, if you're taking notes, that he was a man of steel, that he had on his outer being this impenetrable force that could literally stop a bullet. 
I believe today that if we're in Christ, we have a very likened exterior force that is impenetrable by the enemy. Job chapter 1, the Bible says that there is a hedge of protection around each child of God. Aren't, aren't you glad that God has a hedge around your life? That nothing can come into your life that God has not allowed. Romans talks about in chapter 8, verses 38 and following, says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor fears of today or worries of tomorrow, nor powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky, nor earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is revealed through Christ Jesus our Lord. The greatest apologetic in our Christian faith is four letters, L-O-V-E, love. For God so loved that he gave. And it's love that gains us. It's love that keeps us. It's love that sustains us. It's the love that saved us. And it's the love that's coming back for us. And that becomes the impenetrable force. Because God loves me. Look at it this way, parents. How far would you go to protect your precious child? You would go to any length. You would die in the place of your child if need be. Well, see, that's what our father's done, sending Jesus, and he died in our place so that you and I now have this hedge of protection around us. In fact, in Hosea, in the Old Testament, a prophet of God, he prayed over his wife who became a prostitute and went back into a life of prostitution. I mean, you don't get this on Lifetime. This is real stuff, too. He sends her out and he prays, not a hedge of protection around her, but a hedge of thorns, indicative of the Holy Spirit, much like the shepherd who would, who would build a sheepfold and the sticks were sharpened and pointed inwardly. Watch this. Do you know why that's the case? Because the shepherd was not afraid about the wolf jumping in the sheepfold. He knew once he got in there, he was trained well enough that he could defeat him. He didn't want him to get back out. And check this out. When there's a hedge of thorns around us, we're saying that I want you to protect that person's going out and they're coming in so much so, even if they wanted to find their way to a place of sin, they wouldn't be able to find it because of that pricking power of the Holy Spirit that would keep them hedged up. It's impenetrable. Nothing in the world can happen that God doesn't allow. If we go on and read, and I share this with you, and then I'm going to move on. We, we read, and of course, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 24, it says, Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. We were talking about callings on our life and how difficult they are sometimes to articulate them out loud. That, okay, God, you're calling me to do this. Well, guess what, God? There's no way in the world I can do it. To which God responds, great, then I'll do it through you. Now watch this, Philippians 2.13 says, It's God that works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. If there's anything in you and I desiring to want to do something for the glory of God, you can rest assured that in your human form, you did not put it there. You did not concoct this idea in your own mind to go and do something for the glory of God. Philippians 2.13 says, It's God that works in you, both to will, which is the want, the desire, and to do of his good pleasure. Hey, that's a hallelujah moment for me because that means that if God's called me to do something, I can now look over to Philippians 1.6 to parallel that verse which says this. Being confident, everybody look to your neighbor and say, be confident. Some of y'all were not so confident that you couldn't even look at your friend and say, be confident. Be confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will also complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. What does that tell me and you, David? That means that God called me. I'm going to preach the word, whether I feel like it, whether I'm powered. My back hurts this morning. Did anybody not sleep good last night? Anybody else not sleep good? That's what I'm talking about. I woke up this morning sideways. I'm like, it's going to be a great day in the house of God. My wife's rubbing it out and everything, and she puts her elbow, and literally her elbow pokes out the front of my chest. And I go, I'm good, baby. We're done. We're going to roll on. 
But how many of you know sometimes God wants to just let you, watch this now, don't, don't miss this. Sometimes God just wants you to know that he don't need your strength, that he's strong enough for the both of you. I'm impenetrable. Secondly, uh, we talked about uh, um, Superman having this x-ray vision. Now, watch this. Now, think about this. Don't, don't let me lose you because this is profound. That, that he could look not only at the outside, but he could look through the clothing, the outer garments. If I can say it this way, he could look through the exterior and see what was being hidden on the inside. Do you know you and I have that ability to look to your neighbor and say, things are not always as they appear. God is calling us. Hear me. Child of God. How many of you are saved, born again, child of the most high God? God has not called you to look to the exterior of man, of what everybody else sees. He wants you to look at the heartbeat on the why people do what they do. People are not just mean. This is going to be uh, relevatory to some of you guys. It's going to help you. How many of you know, don't raise your hand, because we may have you on camera. How many of you know somebody's just, don't, don't, wave, don't wave your hand at me. Some of you are like, I'm going to raise my hand. You can count on it. How many of you know somebody's just mean? I do. She sat next to. No, I'm kidding. How many of you know somebody's just mean at heart, just unkind? Man, just wants to hurt people. Can I tell you something? I want to liberate you a little bit this morning. They didn't just get mean because they wanted to be mean. Somebody in their past has hurt them. Do you know that's why Jesus says, "Pray for those who have hurt you. Pray for your enemy." You know the old adage: "Hurt people, hurt people." Hey, why don't you start praying for that person who you can't even stand to pass in Walmart? You know that person that comes at you in Walmart and you see them coming, you're like, come on, baby. You know you do it. And I've told y'all before, y'all do that to me in Walmart, I will run you down and hug your neck. Don't avoid me. I'm going to invite you to Zaxby's. 1 Samuel 16 and 7 says it this way, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for he looks at the outward appearance, but for the Lord he looks at the heart. We, we saw last week, of course, and I'm going to move on to my point three. This is the biggest point of this, is that as a child of God, we need to pray that God will give us the spiritual lenses by which to see the world. I'll tell you something. It'll change the way you view everything that comes in and out of your life. You will see the attack on your marriage as an opportunity for promotion in your marriage. You will see the attack in your finances as an opportunity to learn more about how God designed finances. You see the attack on your child and maybe, just maybe, that you can get a little bit of understanding about what it meant for Jesus to be the only begotten son of God. And the Bible says, and it pleased him to bruise his own son. Can't even fathom that. To be able to see things through different lenses. And of course, we, we ended last week in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17. I'm not going to read it. But the Syrian army came and to attack God's man, Elisha, down in the Syrian uh, desert, if you will, of Dothan in the valley. And the servant goes out and he sees all of these, these Syrian army guys arrayed in battle attire and chariots surrounding them fully. And he freaks out and he goes in. He says, oh, great master, we are surrounded at all ends. And Elijah just flippantly just throws this out. He said, oh, but don't worry, because he that is with us is greater than he that is with them. And then he prays a simple prayer that I just want you to pray over your life every single day. Prayed in the first person. This is what he prayed for his servant. He said, God, that you may open his eyes that he may see through yours. And he goes back outside. And now he sees all the angelic hosts arrayed also in battle attire surrounding those guys who had surrounded them. Chariots of fire. 
ready to overthrow the enemy who was attacking them. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. God, give me x-ray vision that when I look at a person, I don't see what the world sees, but I see what you see. Thirdly, real quick, he's given, Superman was given the ability to fly. Now, I want to give you a great metaphor here. If you think about flight, and I think we've all dreamt of that at some point, whether as a kid or whether last night in your, in your dreams, to be able to fly. I remember dreaming one time that I was supposed to jump off of a building and, and I was going to be able to fly. And I, I, I knew right then in my dream that I was actually dreaming. So I like closed my eyes real tight so I could fly. And uh, I ended up hitting the ground and it exploded. And I woke up. It was an awesome dream. Isaiah wrote in chapter 40. Don't, don't go there. Just, just hear me. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31. But during Isaiah's lifetime, this dispirited nation of Israel suffered so many losses due to the oppressors uh, who invaded at every, at every angle. And Isaiah is called to speak to the people of God to be comforted in the midst of difficulty and loss and hardship. And, and I love these words. I want you to hear this. I, I can hardly read this, honestly, without becoming emotional because I, I love the language of the, the poetry behind Isaiah, the prince of the prophets. Listen to what he said in Isaiah chapter 40, 27 through 31. He says, why do you say, O Jacob? Jacob, of course, was, was Israel. He said, why do you say, O Jacob? And speak, O Israel. My way is hidden from the Lord and my right hand is disregarded by my God. Here it is. I love this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint nor grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, to him who has no might. He increases his strength. Praise the Lord for that. Even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall be exhausted But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. The ability for us to fly and to to mount up above the affairs of this world. I looked up the phrase in the Hebrew, mount up. And it's where we get the word Allah. Which means to go up or to ascend. To go above a boundary. Literally saying this. That even when the affairs of this life feel like, I feel like everyone is against me. I feel like all the affairs of this world are coming down on top of me. Everything is messed up. You, You and I say that all the time. When in fact it's not everything. But we do that as a natural default mechanism. And God is saying, oh. No, 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 you don't understand. You look up to the hills from whence cometh your help. Your help comes from the Lord. I can mount you up like wings on eagles. You can soar above the circumstances of this life. You can still have joy unspeakable in the difficulty, in the hardships, in the downtrodden times. Hey, have you thought of it this way? Sometimes God may allow you to go through difficulty so you'll simply get along with him. Do you know how much we cry out to God when we're going through difficulty? Hey, if your job's going easy and everybody loves you, you're not going to pray. If everything in your finances works with no problem, you're not going to cry out to God. But let all hell break loose in your world. You will fall to your face before a holy God and you will cry out for God to intervene. Which brings me to my fourth one. I think if we all study the person of Superman and we watch it, it's a $13 billion industry for goodness sakes. So we all know his weakness is what? Kryptonite. This thing that came from his planet of Krypton would actually diffuse all of the power that he had. 
In this world, under the auspices of the S-U-N son, he had power unspeakable. But when he went back to the old of who he was, and he even, watch this, he even got close to kryptonite, it would diffuse all of his abilities and all of his strength. Do you know we're really not much different than that? What is your kryptonite? Your kryptonite could be Addiction to pornography, addiction to drugs or alcohol or, or, or pride. It could be a number of things. We all have a kryptonite. And what, what I think God is saying to us today, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and wants you to know this today, that sometimes we just need to keep our eyes on the sun, on the S-O-N, from whence cometh our help, from whence cometh our power. And when we just take and just get our eyes off of that for a moment and look at the old man and the old ways, watch this, it depletes the very strength that God has planned for you and I. But there's a difference between my weakness and Superman's weakness. Did you know that? The Apostle Paul in chapter 2, I'm sorry, the second letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. He said he prayed three times that God would deliver him from this thorn in his flesh, whatever it was. It was his kryptonite, if I could take a little latitude. Deliver me from this thing that is robbing my energy, my ability to move forward under the graces, under the plan that you have for my life. Maybe it was writing the word of God. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Maybe it was his third missionary journey in which he was planting church after church after church after church. And he's just saying, God, can you help a brother out? I got this thing that is breaking me down, wearing me down, and I'm asking you, God, to remove it. Three times he prayed it, and God said no. Because he said, watch this, it's in your weakness that my strength has become manifested. It's in your strength that my, it's in your weakness that my strength is made perfect. And then I love this verse. I love this. Watch what he said. He said, therefore, I take great pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. Here it is. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Man, that's how we really differ from Superman. See, our kryptonite can remind us of where we came from, too. I don't know about you. But I remember where I was in 1992 of October of 29th when he came and called my name. Never forget where you came from. Never forget those weaknesses. Because it's in those moments that my strength is rekindled in him. I don't stand before you today because I have anything to offer you. I don't stand before you today because I'm a, I'm a great orator. I don't stand before you today because I know the entire Bible cover to cover. I stand before you today in my weakness realizing that what he did for me, he will do for you. And then I'm going to close with this. Superman had this trait. He was one of the most selfless people in all of the world. Say, Mark, it's just a comic book. I understand. But the teaching is there nonetheless. Because he could have used his strengths for personal gain. He could have walked right into a, a, a bank and got all the money out. He could have had like Solomon. Solomon had over 600 wives. He could have done anything he wanted to do. He could have had the accolades and all this stuff. But he did everything he did under his strength to help his fellow man. The greatest hero of all time is the person of Jesus Christ. Who the greatest selfless act ever known as he left heaven and he came to this nasty, dirty earth. And he could have done anything else rather than what he did. But he took my place. December the 13th, 1982. There was a terrible airplane crash from Florida Air number 90. A a sister flight of, of U.S. Airways. 
it took off in Washington, D.C., and soon after it departed, it crashed into the 14th Street Bridge. It killed several motorists. And of the 79 passengers and crew members, only six people were left alive that day. As the aircraft and the fuselage plummeted into the Potomac River, the frigid waters, January the 13th, water was around 31 to 32 degrees, the frozen, broken up ice. Six people clinging to life, holding on to the ever-sinking fuselage. Everything else had pretty much gone under, grabbing onto pieces of ice. They're trying to do everything they can do to throw ropes. Nothing, nothing's working. These two park police officers frantically go and get their helicopter and begin to do what that helicopter was never set up to do. And they, they flew over and they took a ring attached to the bottom of a rope and they threw it over and they saw this one guy. And I, and I quote, this guy, this man in the water seemed to have his wits about him. He seemed to be fully cognitive of what was going on. So they gestured to him through the ring. He took the rope and he passed it to a woman named Betty. He ties her in. She gets pulled up. They take her over to safety. A man in the water, they said. He helped this woman get to safety. The helicopter comes back, drops the rope attached to a little ring at the bottom. And, and, and he once again, he takes the rope and he passes it to Betty's husband they take him to safety one by one by one he passed the rope on the sixth time to come back and get quote unquote the man in the water this man of anonymity no one knew him all they saw was the little part of his bald head at the top so they said he, he, you know, he must be an older gentleman more distinguished and, and, and they said this man in the water just one right after another, passed it off. But this time when they come back, they, and you can see there's video, they, they hover over the water and he's nowhere to be found. He had gone under. In passing the rope to his fellow man, people he did not know, he plummeted to his own death. No one knew this guy. Matter of fact, it took them the next day coming out and, and, and going down and retrieving all the bodies that they found this guy they looked back at some video footage they said this is the man in the water they found out later he was a husband father of three children his name was Arlen Williams 53 years old what is it that makes a man dig down with that intestinal fortitude that would say I would rather pass the rope then perhaps even go back home to my own family. It takes an extreme amount of self-denial and selflessness, and it is the exact same thing that you and I should have in our life to pass the rope. Philippians 2, 3, 4, and 5. Look not on a man on what he can do for himself, but what he can do for the lives of others. And then in verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus don't do it for vainglory or so do it for your fellow man my God what would this world look like if we cared more about the person in front or behind or next to us than we did about did about me self-denial selflessness 
tell you what it would look like. We wouldn't go to eat and not share our faith. We wouldn't go into the school and not pray, even if we have to do it in, in that place to, to just, just cry out to God. We wouldn't allow people to hurt us back then and allow that root of bitterness to fester and stay in our spirit for all this time that it ends up growing out of us, produces a fruit of bitterness, and we end up contaminating so many other people that come in and out of our life. We'll let it go. You know what I believe God's got for you today? You know what God wants you to know? You can live a superhuman life. You can step out of a life of mediocrity. You can live that impenetrable force. You can see things not on the exterior, but you see into the inner heart of man and see what God sees. And guess what else you can do? You can soar above the difficulties of this life. And in your weaknesses, his strength can be made perfect. And you too can live a selfless life. And you can care about those who are dying and perishing without Christ. We can change the world. You can change the world. But you got to step in to supernatural. you got to step into that and do power of the Holy Spirit and watch God do something through you that would blow even your mind. Every head bowed and every eye closed. How many of you know that if you were to breathe your last breath right now, you know for certain that you have heaven for a home. Jesus is the Lord of your life. Lift your hand up. Say, Mark, I know that I know that I know. I don't live a hope so existence. I know it. Praise God. Some hands that couldn't go up. I didn't ask you if you messed up after last week when you invited Jesus in your heart. If you invited Jesus in your heart, man, that's settled forever. You become a child of the King. But if you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that right here, right now. Just pray with me from your heart to God. Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. I admit that I have failed you. But today, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and save me. Be the Lord over my life help me to live for you until the day you call me home in Jesus name I pray we believe if you pray that prayer by faith through his grace you have been born again and you become a child of God I wonder would you be so bold without any hesitation lift your hand right now and just say I prayed and I invited Jesus into my heart today God bless you anyone else lift it up high lift it up high how many of you can say Mark I'm a child of the king but I want to live the life that God has called me to live. I truly want to step into that superhuman outside of the auspices of mediocrity. I want to be what God's called me to be. Lift your hand, child of God. Hold your hand up and wave it at him. Just wave it at him, child of God. I see all the hands that are going up. Man, I know we want to do better. Here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. If you want to be a part of our church, man, we'd love to have you. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. If you got some struggle going on, we'd love to believe God with you. But if you just want to do more for the glory of God in your life and live to that fullness of your God-given potential. This place is open for you to come and to pray and to give God your very best. And the way you start is you give Him you. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Everyone stand to your feet. The doors of our church stand open. The altar's open. Man, don't just stand there and leave the same way you came in. Take a step today. Take a step with your family. If you're struggling in your business, give your business to Jesus. If you're struggling in your finances, give it over to Him. If your marriage is destroyed today, say, God, I want to be the man, the wife that you've called me to be. And you give it to Jesus, whatever it may be. Young person, you're struggling in school, give it to Jesus. The doors of our church are open. The altar's open. Y'all come.